Well, turning your Bibles to Luke chapter 1, we're continuing, of course, our study of the Gospel of Luke. And, of course, this book presents Jesus as the perfect man. He is the one born of the virgin. He's the God-man. He's the sacrifice and the substitute for mankind to pay for the sins of the world. And what we've been doing in these last several weeks, we've been seeing Luke has given us the background on the Messiah. We've seen really two families. One, Zacharias and Elizabeth, the older people. He's the, the priest. He has been promised by the angel Gabriel that they would have a son. The son would be named John, and he would be the forerunner of the Messiah. Then we've seen another family. It's Mary and Joseph. Now, Joseph doesn't really know much right now. Angel came to Mary, told her that she was going, that even though she was a virgin, she was going to have a son. His name is Jesus, and he would be the Messiah and the Savior. Well, this morning, what we're going to see is Mary is going in haste. She's going to leave. She's going to go visit her relative, Elizabeth, to tell her about this good news. She's going to go down there and say, you're not going to believe what's going to happen. The, uh, God came to me and an angel, and he told me that I'm going to, I'm going to bear the Savior of the world. She's going to go down there say that this that this is the king of kings and the lord of lords now at this time elizabeth is six months pregnant with john and mary's going to come and when we see this passage this morning something special happens as we see it what's going on and what will elizabeth say we also see what we call mary's song because when all of this happens basically mary then basically sings a song it's not whether she sings it or just speaks it but they call it the the magnificent it's where she she gives us information and oftentimes it's called the song of mary there's so much in this section as we see god's word concerning the birth of our savior jesus christ so we'll see all this in this background this morning you know as we think about the bible there are a lot of principles in god's word one that you see over and over is galatians 6 7 be not deceived god is not mocked whatever man sows that shall he also reap Meaning what you put in, you get out. There's others. What about this one? It says it's more blessed to give than to receive. Now, some people don't get that, but it is. It's more blessed to give than receive. There's another one that says to, to gain your life, you must lose your life. It's talking about discipleship and living for Christ. And if you want to gain your life and rewards and, and to hear him say, well done, you have to lose your life. You have to give your life in service. We saw Jesus even said this. He said, if you want to be great, you must be a servant. There's another one that's true, and that is this, that it, God exalts the humble and brings down the proud. Now, this morning, as we see this song of Mary, starts at verse 46 and goes through verse 55, we're going to see that truth. It's called the Magnificent, as we see this truth where God raises up the humble, but he brings down the proud. Now, think about this for salvation. In humility, we come to God knowing that there's not one thing that we can do to save ourselves. We come and we say, Lord, I know that in my goodness, my righteousness, there's nothing. I just give it all to you, and I trust in Jesus Christ. So, in humility, we come to God, and by faith in Jesus Christ, Christ, he then raises us up to become children of God. But those who in pride say, I don't need Jesus, I don't need God, they're brought down. There's separation from God. We'll see more of this as we go through the song. As we begin, let's remember what's happened. There's the last time this angel came to Mary, told her she would have a son who would be the son of God. Now, you picture this. Now, we talked about it last week. Mary could have been as young as 14 years old. She could be between 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, right in there. And the angel comes to her and tells her that she's going to bring the Savior of the world. She's going to bring that promised one all the way back to Genesis that's coming. He would be the King of Israel and the Messiah. She asked, how could this happen? She didn't doubt. She said, I, 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 okay, I believe you, but I don't understand it because I'm a virgin. How can this possibly happen? And he said, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon her and, and overshadow her, and that which is conceived in her will be the Son of God. She believed him. Look at verse 38, Luke chapter 1, verse 38. And Mary said, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord, may it be done to me according to your word. 
And the angel departed from her. Mary said, okay, I'm your bondservant. Whatever you say, I believe it. Whatever God wants to do, he can do. And she believed. You remember that when the angel came to Zacharias, the older priest, and told him that he was going to have, they were going to have a son who would be the forerunner of the Messiah, he didn't believe it. That's why up until this point, he still can't speak. He can't hear or speak, and we'll see in that as we continue our study. Well, this morning, Mary's all excited. She's now going to her relative, to Elizabeth, to tell her the good news. Now, I want you to think about this. Mary knows that Elizabeth is pregnant. But Elizabeth does not know that Mary's going to have the Messiah. She doesn't know anything. Well, let's see what happens. Two things to think about as we go through this. First of all, as Mary responds, what does she tell Joseph? Well, the best that we can tell, she doesn't tell him anything, right? This second, verse 39 says, at this time, Mary arose and went in a hurry to the hill country. So the best we can tell, she didn't tell Joseph. She just left. And she's going to be gone for three months. Now, you think if you're Joseph, you're saying, you know, I'm, I'm engaged and I'm wanting to be married pretty soon and get everything. Where'd she go? She's gone. So she doesn't tell him anything. Maybe at this time she says, I'm not sure how to tell him that I'm pregnant and it's the Holy Spirit and the baby is going to be the Son of God. I'm not sure how she's ready to tell him that, what to say. So she doesn't. But the second thing is, what's she going to tell Elizabeth? You can see her going down there in excitement saying, you won't believe this. I know you're going to have a baby because the angel told me you were going to have a baby. Well, I want you to know that the angel told me that I'm going to have the baby. But the baby I'm going to have is the Son of God. He's the King of Israel. He's the Messiah. He's the Savior. He's everything. Wow. So what is she going to tell Elizabeth? And she's on the way. Now, by the way, notice what it says again. Now, at this time, Mary arose and went in a hurry to the hill country to a city of Judah. Now, Mary is living in the northern part of Israel in, in a little town called Nazareth. And if you think of a map of Israel, all the way at the very top is the Sea of Galilee. Fourteen miles to the west is the, the city of Nazareth. She leaves Nazareth to go to the hill country, to a city of Judah. Now, that's not going next door. That's not going a five-mile trip. That's going from the northern post part of Israel, just about all the way down past Jerusalem and to the southwest section. This was at least a three- or four-day journey. And, you know, the Bible doesn't say anybody went with her. Now, let me just say this. It would be very unusual for a young girl to make that kind of trip by herself. Now, so we don't know who went with her if somebody did go with her. Probably somebody went with her. Not Joseph. He doesn't know anything about this. But she's coming down there. And uh, to make this trip, it would be a long trip. Look what happened. Uh, I'll read verse 39 again. Now at this time, Mary arose, went in a hurry to the hill country, to a city of Judah, and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. Now notice, so she comes into the house and she says, Elizabeth, I'm here. Watch what happened. You remember last week I told you to be, go ahead and read ahead and see if you can see something unique and special happened here. Well, notice verse 41. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. I want you to see two things happened when she greeted Elizabeth. Number one, notice, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, number one, the baby leaped in her womb. That's number one. Number two, Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Two things, and sometimes we read it so fast we miss that. First, the baby leaped. Who is this baby? The baby's John. John the Baptist, John the baptizing one. This baby is six months along inside of her womb. And when the Messiah comes into the room, because the Messiah is inside Mary, 
He leaps. He's going, hot dog, this is my time. It's about time for me to start my stuff. I just have seen or met or know that the Messiah is here. You remember that the promise was that John the Baptist would be filled with the Holy Spirit even when he was in the womb. So an amazing thing happened. This is the way this, uh, the way the Greek is written here. This is more than just some normal movement of a baby. I mean, she just didn't go, ooh, I feel him kicking. No, she didn't say that. She said, whoa, I felt the baby leap. The forerunner of the Messiah says, the Messiah's here. But there's a second thing that you sometimes read so fast. Notice the second thing. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Right then. And God is going to empower Elizabeth. Now, remember this. Mary knows about Elizabeth. But Elizabeth doesn't know about Mary. But you know what's going to happen? The Holy Spirit is going to feel Elizabeth and going to tell her all of these things. The Holy Spirit is going to tell Elizabeth that Mary is carrying the Messiah, the Savior. So you remember that uh, Mary has come down there to say, guess what, I've got to tell you. And before Mary can tell her, Elizabeth's going to say, well, guess what? She's going to tell her. The Holy Spirit has revealed this to her. She's, we know that Mary came down to say, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. And now Elizabeth's saying, look, I already know. Watch. Verse 41 again. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And notice this next thing. And she cried out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Now, you know what she's saying? Two things. She says, Mary, you are the blessed of all women, and the baby inside you is very blessed. Well, you can almost see Mary going, how do you, how do you know this? How did you know I'm going to have a baby? How did you know this? Because the Holy Spirit has come upon Elizabeth and has revealed this to her. Notice what she says. First of all, she said, blessed are you among women. Why? Because this woman, out of all the women who's ever existed, she is the one who brings the Savior into the world. Now you go all the way back to Adam and Eve. And the promise to Eve was the seed of woman will crush the head of the serpent. It was a promise that the Messiah would come some come someday being born of a woman and here out of all of the women who's ever lived this is the one that's why it says blessed are you among women you're going to be praised and blessed among all women because you're the one that's having the Messiah and then notice what she says and blessed is the fruit of your womb she's saying and blessed is the one inside you she knows that Mary's going to have a baby she knows the baby is the son of God in fact, we're going to see it in just a minute. Mary, Elizabeth, believes in that baby as her Savior. We'll see it in just a second. She said, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. She's saying, you're the blessed woman, and blessing is the baby inside of you. And then notice the next statement. She says, and how has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? She says, how is it that I get this, that the mother of my Savior, the mother of my Lord, has come to visit me? Now, there's several things there, but she's saying, how is it possible this? Elizabeth is car- it says that Mary is carrying a baby, but not just any baby. This baby is the Savior. In fact, this baby is her Savior. Notice what she says, the mother of my Lord. That's the name for the Messiah. 
That's the Lord is the Savior, the deity. The word Lord literally means deity. She is saying, how has it happened that the mother of my Savior has come to me? Elizabeth already knew what Mary had come to tell her, that she is carrying the Messiah. What Elizabeth is saying, I know you're carrying the Messiah. You're carrying my Savior. How do you view Jesus? Elizabeth viewed the baby in the womb, not even born yet, the baby in the womb as her Savior. She knew that that child, who one day would be born, who one day would grow up, who one day would die on a cross and pay for sin, she knew that that baby was her Savior. What do you think about Jesus? How do you view him? Some people view him as just this cute little baby born in Bethlehem. Well, he is the Savior of the world. And when you think of Jesus and say, we're going to, in the next couple of weeks, we're going to actually go through the birth narratives and everything. And then a couple of months from now, it'll be Christmas time and we'll be talking again about the birth of the Savior. And some people, when they think about Jesus, they say, oh yeah, little baby Jesus, so sweet. And And he was. But Jesus is more than little baby Jesus. He's the Savior of the world. He's the Alpha, the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. He's the way, the truth, and the life. He's the the righteous, holy one. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He's the King of Israel and the Savior of the world. That's who he is. He is all of that. And she didn't just say, I'm glad you're carrying a baby. She said, I'm so glad that you came to me, the mother of my Savior who is inside of you. Wow. Elizabeth knows the baby is the Savior. And may we see Jesus as the Savior, the God-man, the one who gives us eternal life simply by faith. Well, look what happens, verse 44. She said this, For behold, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped in my womb for joy. Now she said, this is an amazing thing, because when I heard your voice... John inside me leaped for joy. She knows her son is the forerunner of the Messiah. She realizes the baby in her womb, which is six months along, is going to be the forerunner of the baby in Mary's womb. Her baby's going to point out Jesus and say, There's the Messiah, there's the Savior of the world. It says that the baby leaped for joy. See, joy, John knows. This is amazing, but John is saying, I'm happy because there's my, there's my whole ministry. I get to fulfill my ministry. I get to go and point out the Messiah, and the Messiah is here with me even right now. Two babies in the womb. We should have great joy in our life. You know why? Because we get to fulfill the purpose that God has for us. Just as John, in a sense, was leaping for joy in his mother's womb, knowing that he's going to fulfill his purpose, we should have joy as we fulfill our purpose, and that is to proclaim Jesus Christ. We are children of God. We're ambassadors for Christ. We get to go out of here with the good news message. And we should go out of this room with joy that we get to tell people how they can have eternal life. Now, sometimes we're afraid. We don't go out with joy. We go, oh, i got to go tell people as if it's a burden. Well, the problem is, is we don't know what to do. We're scared, and sometimes we, we need to really get into Scripture and understand how we can share our faith so we'll have confidence and joy when we go out and we tell people. We say, let me tell you, i got the greatest news of all time. God loved you. He sent His Son. He died on the cross. He paid for sin. He rose again. If you will believe in Him, you'll have eternal life. That's what we get to tell people. Well, the Holy Spirit has come to Elizabeth and has told her about the Messiah. There's two women, two babies, two sons, the forerunner and the Messiah. 
Notice what else she says. One more great thing. She says, and blessed is she, Elizabeth is talking about Mary, and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. And she said, you are blessed because you believed what God told you. Now let me ask you a question. Do you believe what God tells you? And you say, well, God didn't speak to me. Yes, he did. Gave you a whole book. They got the whole book. Do you believe the word of God? Do you go to the scripture and the places and the promises and the things that are for us? Do you say, I believe this. I hold to this. I believe what it says. I'm going to live my life based on these truths. We must believe the word of God. We have God's written revelation. God has revealed himself in a number of ways. But revelation is God making himself known. Inspiration is God making himself known in a written form. We have the inspired word of God. He has spoken to us in a written form. The question is do you believe this and if you believe it are you living by it are you going to say i want my life to count for the lord i'm going to know the scripture i'm going to live out the truths of god's word just as mary believed the message when the angel said that to her she said whatever you say whatever god wants to do i'm for it do you say god whatever you say whatever you want me to do wherever you want me to go i want my life to count for you do you believe god's word Well, God is working. Both Mary and Elizabeth know that Mary's baby is the Lord and Savior. Sometimes people call him the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord means deity. Jesus means Savior. And Christ means the Messiah, the anointed one of God. He is God who is the Savior who has been set apart by God to save us. Well, we see now, after this, Mary's going to talk, and it's called the Magnificent. It's where Mary, they call it a song, but Mary's going to speak. She's going to praise God. And throughout the Scripture, sometimes when something big happens, something good happens, people stop, and sometimes they praise God, sort of like in the song. I want to remind you, you remember when the nation of Israel came out of Egypt, and they parted the Red Sea, and Moses led the people, and they got all the way across on the dry land. They got up to the other side. The Egyptian army came out in the water. It came out there, and then the water fell on top of them and drowned them all. You know what Moses did right after that? He sang a song. It's called the Song of Moses. You can look it up. It's in Exodus. And he sings. And you remember a long time ago in the scripture when we saw this, when Hannah wanted a baby and she prayed and she prayed to God and she said, if you'll give me a son, I'll give him back to you. And sure enough, Samuel was born. Samuel means ask of God. She asked God for a son. He gave her a son. And then she wrote a song. It's called the Song of Hannah. And then in a minute, next week, we're going to see it when Zacharias, when John the Baptist is born, Zacharias sings a song, so to speak. He gives us things at the birth. And remember the night that Jesus was born? The shepherds were out and the angels came and the glory of the Lord filled the place. And then these angels spoke and then this other heavenly host came and they were saying, glory to God in the highest. And some people call that a song. It doesn't say they sang, but they spoke. And when we're going to see Mary's song. What does she say when about all of this? And as we look at this passage, there's an amazing thing here. Most scholars, when you read these verses, find at least 15 Old Testament references. See, Mary knew the Bible. She knew the Scripture. And when she starts talking about God, she quotes verses. It would be like you start saying, you know, I can do all things through Christ and strengthens me. And you know, my God will provide all the needs that I have and he'll never leave me or forsake me. Why should I fear? I mean, you start saying things like that, you're quoting scripture. This is what she does. She's quoting scripture. 
It's powerful. Let me let me uh, give you break down this song, Mary's song of praise. In verses forty six through fifty, she pra- she gives praise to God for using her. She talks about God. Thank you for blessing me. And then fifty to fifty three, here's a great truth: God exalts the humble and He brings down the proud. That's what she's going to say. And then the last part of the song is verse fifty four and fifty five. She says, God helps. Israel. So that's what we're going to see. We'll go through it very quickly. I just want you to see this song. And let me tell you what it is. It's called a song of praise. And every one of us in this room, we ought to praise God. We ought to praise God for what all He has done. He has saved us. He's protected us. He provides for us. He empowers us. He uses us. He gives us life. We, we ought to wake up every day and say, Lord, I just praise you for what you have done for me. We had some great songs this morning. I think we got one more song in a minute to sing. But it's an opportunity for us to praise God for what he has done for us. Well, look what she says. And this is how she starts. She says, and Mary said, verse 46, my soul exalts the Lord. That means she lifts up the Lord. She lifts up his name in praise. And that's what she's going to do. Verse 47, she says, and my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. Now, look what she says. I rejoice in God, my Savior. And you know, it's always true. There is the joy of our salvation. When you realize what has happened, that God has loved you. And he sent his son to die in your place. And he took your sin and he was buried and he rose again and he paid the penalty. And he offers to you eternal life. And we say, you mean I can have eternal life and go to heaven by believing in Jesus, trusting him as my Savior, trusting that he's the one that gets me to heaven? And the answer is yes. What do we have? Then we say, wow, that's the joy of my salvation. I'm going to heaven. I have eternal life, not based on me based on Jesus. And so she says, my spirit is rejoiced in God, my Savior. And what does she go on to say? For he has regarded the humble state of his bond slave. For behold, from this time on, all generations will count me blessed. The first part in verse 48 says, He has regarded the humble state of his bond slave. God has looked down on her and seen who she is and, and has taken care of her and has regarded her. Now, Mary never says, I'm important. I'm famous. I, I deserve this. She said, I'm nothing. I'm just a bondservant of God, and by His grace, He has chosen me to do this. There are two views of Mary, and, and they're both really wrong. One of them exalts her. And one of them says, Mary's the greatest thing that's ever been. Uh, she, when she came in this world, she was born without sin. She was a virgin forever. She ascended to heaven. There are people who teach that. That's wrong. But then there are people who say, she's just a woman. She's just like anybody else. Well, let me tell you, she is a woman, but she is a great woman. Because what she did at age 14, 15, 16, she believed God. And when he said to her, you're a virgin, but you're going to have a baby. It's going to be the Holy Spirit, and that baby's going to be God. She said, whatever you say. And you realize what her life was like? All of her life, people went, you know that baby's illegitimate. She was pregnant before she was ever married. Did you know that? They said that about her and Jesus. You know when they're at the very first miracle Jesus did in in the wedding of Cana of Galilee and they ran out of wine? And Mary, have you ever wondered why Mary came over to Jesus and said, they ran out of wine, do a miracle. Come on, do something big. Why? Why would she want him to do a miracle? You know, the way he did it is nobody knew it. The only people who really knew what happened were the people who poured out the wine and his disciples. 
See, she wanted to be vindicated. She wanted to say, see, I told y'all, I told y'all all this time, he's God. Think what she did. She's a great woman who brought into this world our Savior. And notice what she says. She says, from, for behold, from this time on, all generations will count me blessed. And we do. From now on, from that time on, everybody looks back to her and says, she was blessed of God because out of all the women in the world, she was faithful, she trusted God, and she brought in that child into the world. Then notice what she says. She says, for the mighty one has done great things for me. And he did. He saved her. He's used her. We could say the same thing. The mighty one has done great things for us. But notice, notice the next part. It says, and holy is his name and his mercy is upon generation after generation toward those who fear him. There are two words that go together. Then they have to go together. The first word is holy and the second word is mercy. Notice what it says, for holy is his name. God is a God of holiness. He is set apart. He is righteous and holy. We are not holy. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And if all we have is the holiness of God, we will be separated from God forever. Because we've all sinned and come short of his holiness and his glory. But there's the other word connected with it. It's mercy. See, in God's holiness, He shows mercy to us. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saves us. See, they have to go together. The holiness of God and the mercy of God. If you only got holiness, we're in trouble. you got to have the mercy of God so that we can have eternal life, so that He can save us. So, she says... Holy is his name and his mercy is upon generation after generation toward those who fear him. And now she gets to that principle that I mentioned earlier. And that is God exalts the humble and he brings down the proud. And let me tell you this. That's true in every area. Think of salvation. He exalts the humble. We come in humility to God saying that it's not my works, it's not my righteousness, it's not my goodness, it's not joining the church, it's not anything. I come to God recognizing in humility that I cannot save myself and I give myself in a sense to Jesus. I say I'm trusting Christ for eternal life. I humble myself. He exalts us to be children of God. Those who in pride say I don't need Jesus, they're brought down and separated. Same is true in the Christian life. As believers, if we say, Lord, I realize in myself I can never serve you. It's got to be your power through me. Just use me as your instrument. He exalts us and rewards us. And we have victory in the Christian life. But those of us who say, well, I I think I can do it. I can do what I want to do. I'm going to live my... Then you'll be brought down. You won't have rewards. You will not have victory in the Christian life. And then even in the future, when one day you're with your Savior and He says, Well done, good and faithful servant, He will exalt you because of your service and humility as you lived here. But those who don't serve Him, we won't, won't be exalted in the kingdom. You won't have a great place of responsibility. That's rewards. Look what she says. She says, He has done mighty deeds with His arm. He has scattered those who were proud. Notice, look. Proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has scattered the proud. Verse 52. He has brought down the rulers from their throne. He has brought down rulers. The word for rulers is a great word. It's the word dynast in Greek. And we get dynasty from it. He's brought down those in dynasty. He's removed them. He's brought them down from their thrones. But notice. And He has exalted those who were humble. He lifts up 
the humble. You want to be great with God? You want to be great for God? You want to hear God say, well done, good and faithful servant? Then you humble yourself, not only for salvation, but in the Christian life. You say, God, it is not me. It is you always. I can never save myself. I can never even serve you in my power. It's all you. And if you want to be exalted, you humble yourself. He will exalt the children of God, giving us the victory, all of those things. She finishes by remembering what God has done uh, for Israel. But he goes on in verse 53. She says in verse 53, He has filled the hungry with good things. He sent the rich away empty-handed to show him the exalted and all that. And then she says, He has given help to Israel, his servant, in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and his descendants forever. She says, God, you have never forgotten what you promised to Israel, how you remembered your mercy, how what you said to our fathers. You remember Abraham? God came to Abraham and said, guess what, Abraham? I want you to leave where you're living, go to a land I'm going to show you, and then I'm going to give you the land. I'm going to give you a land, a seed, and blessing. Abraham and you will all the nations of the world be blessed. I'll bless those that bless you. I'll curse those that curse you. Through Abraham will be the Messiah. It's going to be the greatest thing. And he says, he never forgot his promises to Israel. And I want you to understand something. He never forgets his promises to us. Never. Any promise that he has ever made to you. Now there's things in the Bible that aren't to us. But anything that's to us, you can say, I can guarantee that. Because whatever he promises, he does. You know, the Bible says, I give you eternal, Jesus says, I give you eternal life and you shall never perish. And the moment you believe in Jesus Christ, he gives you eternal life and you shall never perish. Never. That's a promise. Sometimes I talk to people, I say, what did Jesus give you? And they say, I got eternal life. I said, you're going to heaven? They go, I hope I am. I said, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's think of what you just said. What did he just give you? Well, he gave me eternal life. How long is that? Well, it lasts forever. Are you going to heaven? I hope I am. What do you mean? If you have trusted in Jesus Christ as Savior, what has he given to you? Eternal life. That's life forever with him. You can count on that. That's a promise. And it is true. He never goes back on a promise. It says he spoke to Abraham and his descendants forever. This is the song of Mary. She praises God for using her. God exalts the humble and brings down the proud. And he remembers his promises to the nation of Israel and to Abraham. Wow. Well, notice how this ends. And Mary stayed with her about three months and then returned to her home. There are two things I want you to see in that verse. First of all, Mary stayed with her about three months. Now, that puts it right, right up at the time of the birth of John. Because remember that the angel said that she's already, that, that Elizabeth was six months pregnant. So she goes down there and she spends about three months. So it's time for the birth of John. Now, we don't know. It doesn't tell us whether Mary stayed until John was born and then she left or whether she left before John was born. We do not know. But look at the second thing. And then she returned to her home. Now, remember, she's still engaged to Joseph. She's not married to him. She's been gone for three months. Now, this is an amazing thing. Now, what if you were Joseph, and the one you're engaged to is gone? You're gone. She's gone for three months, and then she comes back. And you say to her, where have you been? And, and she says, well, I've been with Elizabeth. And then he says, it looks to me like you're pregnant. It does. It does. And she says to you, oh, I've been meaning to tell you about this. Um, God, the Holy Spirit, came upon me, and this is God, the Son of God. This is the Savior of the world. What would you think if you were Joseph? Well, we're going to see that as we get a little further along. Now, let me ask you one other question I want you to think about. This is just extra, okay? When did Joseph and Mary get married? 
You remember that uh, we'll get into chapter 2 and, and the decree comes that they have to go back to their hometowns to register. So Joseph and Mary leave Nazareth and make the trip all the way down to Bethlehem. Remember that? Were they married then? Don't, I mean, don't you think? I mean, she's going to have the baby, right? When they get down there, what happens when she gets down there? They have the baby. Listen to this. This is just Luke chapter 2. I just want you to think about it. Luke chapter 2, verse 4 and 5, it says, Joseph went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was the house and the family of David, in order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. It didn't say she was his wife. When they have the baby, the best you can tell from this, they're still not married. You ever thought about that one? We'll just think about it in the next couple of weeks. We'll see how that ties together. Well, Mary visits Elizabeth to tell her about the baby, but the Holy Spirit reveals to Elizabeth, and she praises God and tells Mary, and then Mary sings her song about the blessing for Israel. She stays there about three months and then goes back home. Let me give you some applications to think about. The first one is realize that God has worked his plan of salvation. Two women, two babies, the Savior, the the forerunner. God has fulfilled his promise. He has sent Jesus Christ in this world. Jesus came to this earth. He died on the cross. He took your sin, my sin on himself. He paid the penalty of sin. He died, was buried, and rose again. He is now seated at the right hand of the Father because he ascended back into heaven. And he will give eternal life to anyone who will believe in him. I want you to see this. A. Trust Christ as Savior. Now, as I look out, I know almost everybody, but there's some people in here I don't know. And what I want you to do, if you have never believed in Jesus Christ for salvation, for eternal life, right where you're sitting, you can trust in Christ right now. See, you don't have to walk down to the front. You don't have to make a public profession. You don't have to get baptized. You don't have to join a church. You don't have to turn over a new life and all of these kind of things. You believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior. He died for you. He paid for your sins. and He rose again, and he offers the gift of eternal life. It's a gift. It costs you nothing. So I hope and pray that every one of you in this room, you have believed in Christ as Savior. The second thing is praise God for His blessing. I mean, think about all the things that He's done for us, not only the salvation, but how He takes care of us day in and day out. Praise God. That's what Mary basically did. She praised God for using her and all that He's going to do. Second application is go to the Word of God for truth. Think about it. The Holy Spirit revealed to Elizabeth the truth. Where do we go? Where do we go to the Bible, to the Word of God. John 17, 17 says, Thy Word is truth. We have written revelation from God. We go to that for truth and to understand it. What we want to do, first of all, is study the Word of God, know it so we can apply it in our lives. And then number two, B, is teach others the Word of God. This is the key. This is what you must know. This is how you live. That's the basic thing. Last but not least, the third one is understand God's principle of exalting the humble and bringing down the proud. Whether it is in salvation, which people, we humble ourselves by saying, I cannot save myself. I must come to Jesus. He's my Savior. Or whether it's the Christian life, where we say, I cannot serve God in my own power. It's got to be God through me. Or even in the future, the future rewards, when God gives us rewards and we realize that it's His power through us that, that allowed us to serve him to give us the rewards so it's all that way those who humble themselves will be exalted may we praise god who has worked out his plan of salvation in jesus christ and all in humility come to christ as savior will be lifted up and have eternal life let's pray 
Heavenly Father, what a passage. Thank you for a great morning. Lord, help us, Lord, as we realize that you have worked your plan of salvation, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. I pray, Lord, if there's anyone in this room who has never trusted Jesus, that right now, right where they're sitting, they will believe in Jesus as Savior. They'll understand he died for them. He paid for their sins. He rose again, and he is the only way they can be saved. It's not by their works, not by their righteousness, not by their goodness, but simply taking the gift of eternal life which comes by faith. May we praise you, Lord. May we go back to the Word of God for the truth. And may we realize that you have a principle of those who humble themselves, you will exalt. May we humble ourselves to have eternal life and the Christian life and even the future rewards. Thank you, Lord, for your great truths. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.